Hey, this is Eastlake BBA, and this is our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you. We hope this builds your faith. Enjoy the message. Hello, my name is Mary, and I am an alcoholic. Mary. And uh, God separated me from alcohol on September, on, sorry, July 11, 2013. September is my birthday, my belly button birthday. But July 11, 2013. Uh, welcome to the newcomers. Welcome to a new way of living. Uh, and uh, Louis, thank you for asking me to to share my uh, experience and uh, strengths and hopes. But uh, I uh, just want to start about what it was like for me. Um, first, I'll start. Um, you know, growing up, uh, I grew up. I was different, and you know, I knew I was different. Um, because I grew up in a household that was different. Uh, they didn't drink, they didn't do drugs. Nobody, you know, it was very, uh, I don't know how to say, very normal household, except for uh, I had a grandfather who was given a gift to see past, present, and future. So growing up in a household like that, you know, I knew I grew up different because I saw things and I heard things but nothing was ever explained as to what was going on. You know, you just have to figure those things out and live with it. And um, so it was quite interesting. Uh, but my grandparents raised us. My mother worked two jobs and, uh, and they, were, they were so good to us. They protected us. We grew up on, in one of the roughest parts of Chicago um, and uh, we were protected. Uh, we didn't go out. <laughs> we were. Uh, you know, um, I wouldn't say like caged animals, but we didn't really um, go out into that population. Um, so I uh, grew up a, a latchkey kid. When my mother took over, um, you know, she went to work, two jobs, and latchkey is basically, you know, you just, you know, close the door and you take care of yourself. So we basically took care of ourselves at a very young age. So I was about probably about nine or 10. And uh, I got to look out the window and watch other kids play. And we stayed in the house and watched ourselves or the TV watched us. <laughs> so uh, these days you can't get away with that, you know, uh, get your kids taken away. Uh, so, um, so I was socially shy. Uh, I, um, I really didn't mingle too much with the kids in school. Uh, I stayed pretty much focused on my studies, and I was a straight-A student. Um, <clears throat> I think later on in life, I met a girl who I went to grammar school with, and she said, wow, you know, I just want you to know that we thought you were really stuck up growing up. And it's like, me? Stuck up? It's like, no, at all. That was not me. So it's funny how people get the wrong impression of you, you know, growing up. So I kind of felt like, oh, wow, okay, so I'm you know, well, stuck up, you know, must have not, it's not a bad thing. Um, but um, so my experience with alcohol, the first experience, I was 13 years old. And my sister, who was a rebel, um, she, uh, she wanted to celebrate my 13th birthday, and she got me drunk um, on my mother's vodka, and then filled up my mother's vodka with water so she wouldn't know. And I hated that experience. I was so sick. Um, I did not like it. 
I did not like the taste of alcohol. And, um, and uh, one day my mother was serving her, her friends, you know, the drinks. And the friends were like, man, this doesn't taste like anything. Can you make it stronger? So my sister had to confess that she, you know, she uh, got me drunk. And uh, she didn't care. She got in trouble. You know, she was a rebel. Um, but, uh, you know, that was pretty much my first experience with alcohol. And then you know, I was 13 years old. And at 17 years old, I met my husband. My, well, it was my boyfriend. And I was pregnant uh, at 17. Um, so I started very young having kids. By the age of 19, I had my second child. Um, so I went into that row of being a mom. And I didn't really, you know, hang out with people or get drunk or high or any of those things. I had friends who did, but I didn't associate with them. So I really grew up um, straight-laced, if you want to call it. Um, except for, you know, of course, getting pregnant, right? <laughs> um, but uh, at the age of 20, I became an entrepreneur. Um, I, got, I opened up a salon in Chicago, and um, that just started my entrepreneurship. Um, you know, from then on, I opened up um, two restaurants, a nightclub. We owned the largest nightclub in Chicago, outside of Chicago. And by then, I was 40. A lot of things had happened in between that. But then I was 40 years old. And, um, you know, the representatives, the reps would come, and they would line up the alcohol. And, uh, you know, I'd start drinking. And um, eventually, I built up a tolerance to alcohol. And I can remember, I shared this one time, that I can remember the day that I built that tolerance to alcohol because um, we had like 10 shots of tequila, each of us, and I drank all 10, and I was still standing, unless he watered it down, right? And I remember my mother was visiting from California, and I went to go say bye to her, and I drove, and I bragged about drinking 10 shots of tequila and she said, you know, Mary, you got to be careful. Um, and that was it. Um, but I remember after that, that's when the blackouts started. I started to have those blackouts, you know, where, you know, people would ask me, you know, um, or I would ask people, you know, what, what did we do last night? You know, or what did I say? Um, and that was scary, but not scary enough to make me stop. You know, by then, um, I was drinking a whole lot. And my life took a turn, um, <clears throat> you know, and I like to think of that time as a curse um, because alcohol turned on me. And um, um, things started to really go down, um, my marriage. Um, and, you know, things just started, I had to start selling things you know, because I was really scared. I mean, things started happening. Um, and just to make a long story short, um, we had all this stuff. And, um, you know, um, I always like to say my, my husband, he sold his soul to the devil, I say, you know, and bad things started happening. Um, 
And I was really scared. I even had received a call, like a threat on my life. And I'm like, man, I'm getting this guy off my insurance policy, you know? He's trying to kill me or something, right? Um, so I got him off my insurance policy, and I, uh, I got a divorce. And um, I made a plan to come to California to change my life, to change everything. Um, I had been coming out here for years, and I thought, you know, I'm going to change everything. And, but unfortunately, I brought my drunk ass here, and I continue to keep drinking. Um, here is where I met a man who um, was drinking as well as much as I was. You know, we tend to hang around, right? Like-minded people, right? And, um, you know, and it really wasn't fun. You know, I was alone, and I was scared. Um, and uh, we had... Uh, moved up to Idlewild and gotten into this argument. Um, and I had a 22 Walter and um, I was really drunk because um, I really don't remember. But I do remember um, me trying to put the bullets in the gun and the bullets just flying all over. They just kept flying. And uh, I took the gun and I ran out and I wanted to go to a place and just, you know, like uh, Mark Houston, who is one of my mentors, he's no longer living. Um, you know, he, I, I say he's my brother. He, um, he always says uh, that he was ready to commit the greatest sin known to man. And if you wanna know about Mark Houston, just look him up. Uh, he does workshops on YouTube um, which is amazing. Um, and that's what I did. I took the gun and I was pulling the trigger. I can remember pulling the trigger. And I remember the, I, the guy who, um, who I was dating then, he found me. And he took the gun out of my hand. That's all I remember was we were fighting over the gun. And uh, he committed me to... Uh, I was on a 72-hour suicide watch. And, um, you know, it was there that I really thought, you know what, this is where I belong. I'm fucking crazy, you know? My life is shit, you know? Um, and I saw a lot of people around me that were, you know, just, you know, hopeless and helpless and just like me. And um, in that hospital, a woman came up to me and she said, uh, what are you doing here? And I just said, I don't know. And she told me, she said, you don't belong here. And she said, I promise you, if you stop drinking, everything's, all your problems are going to go away. <laughs> so um, I remember that. And then she took her badge and she turned it around, and her name was Promise. And after that, all I remember is them giving my, me my papers, and I was leaving. And it was even, it was way before the 72 hours. And they were bringing me home um, in that white van. <laughs> and um, I can remember hearing 7-Eleven, free Slurpees. And I'm like, 
I want a free Slurpee. I want a Slurpee. You know, I want a Slurpee. And I think about that. I wanted one so bad. I don't even like that stuff, you know. I don't drink that stuff. Um, but I say that that was my awakening because I felt childlike. But I felt the lights go on. I, something happened. I don't know what happened when I left that hospital. But if I tell you that the obsession to drink was lifted right there, believe me. Because the only time that I wanted to drink was when I was um, in fear or when I wasn't getting my way. And in the big book, it says, you know, um, there's a hundred forms of fear. And, uh, you know, there's so many different forms of fear, we don't even recognize it for what it is. Um, and when I was in fear, and I, you know, um, I would just pray. And then something would happen, you know. So, you know, I was really fortunate that um, this is my experience um, because not a lot of us have that experience with um, going clean or getting sober. You know, we struggle. And um, that's why I chose acceptance um, because for me, I really do believe that if I would have accepted my life as it was, you know, my husband, you know, um, you know, hooking up with the, you know, one of the dancers 20 years younger and getting her pregnant, you know, my, all my kids working in the establishment and, um, you know, it was devastating, but I would not accept that. I fought that. And um, I think the more I fought, the, the more things were not going my way. The more things were, were just crumbling all around me. And I felt like I was spiraling down. Um, but I always say that I wish I would have um, ran to God and not the bottle. Whatever that looks like to any of you, you know, I, I always say that. You know, if I would have just ran because I had resources, you know. Um, there was a church not far from me that was doing divorce, you know, care. And I started, but I didn't finish, you know. Um, it, they helped me, but it's still, I was still drinking a whole lot. So I wasn't really um, ready. Um, so accept. Accept is the consent to receive, to believe or come to recognize. Um, and then acceptance the definition is the action of consenting to receive. So the action that um, in this program, any 12-step program, you get the results with the action. Um, I know that to be true because I took, I was so desperate that I took every action that was put at my feet. Um, everything that was presented to me. Um, I was in full acceptance. Um, and then I was reading Bill's story and that's how Bill Wilson, who wrote the big book, uh, on page 13, he was in full acceptance. Um, and he says here, at the hospital I was separated from alcohol for the last time. 
Treatment seemed wise for I showed signs of delirium trenum, tremens, tremens. So he was shaking, right? He was still shaking. But um, he took basically all his steps there at that hospital. Um, he took his step three, where he humbly offered himself to God. Um, and he placed himself unreservedly under his care and direction. And he admitted for the first time that of myself, he was nothing and that without him, he was lost. So that was his step three, his step four, he faced his sins and he became willing to have his newfound friend who is God, um, take them away root and branch. That was like entirely root and branch. So, and he hadn't had a drink since. Um, his schoolmate visited him and he fully acquainted him with his problems and deficiencies. Um, he admitted that he was wrong um, and he was to test his thinking, step 10, 11, and 12. And this is basically what I walk daily in step 10, 11, and 12, but never forget my step one. Never forget that I am an alcoholic. I'll always be an alcoholic and I'm always reminded of that. And it's not a bad thing. It's nothing to be depressed about. I mean, because so many good things happened uh, when I accepted and admitted and know daily because there's those temptations, you know. Um, we're always being tested, right? So in step 12, his friend promised that when these things were done, he would enter upon a new relationship with his creator and that he would um, have the elements of a way of living which answered all of his problems. And I really, truly, really, truly need to believe that. So in the forward to the first edition, the main purpose of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous is precisely what the book, the main purpose of the book is to show precisely how we have recovered. And it doesn't say recovering. We are recovered daily. We are not recovering. We are recovered. Um, and then afterwards, if you go to page 45 on the We Agnostics, the main object of the book is to enable you to find a power that's greater than yourself that will solve your problem. That means that this book was written, we believe, to be spiritual and moral. And I'm not just saying one problem, it's every problem. I find almost every problem that I, if there's a problem that I can't deal with, I know that. I have the answers here. I have the answers when I come to a meeting. I have the answers when I talk to my sponsor, when I pray. I have those answers. They come. They just come. So you really, truly have to believe that. Um, thank you for, for being here. Thank you for listening. I enjoy your presence. I enjoy um, living the spiritual life these, and having these tools and um, just really grateful uh, that I have a new way of living. Thank you. Hi, Mer, alcoholic. So grateful to be here. Thank you for sharing your experience, strength, and hope with us, uh, Mary. Um, when you were talking, a couple of memories was coming up for me too. Um, definitely my blackouts was one of the biggest things that um, got me in the rooms faster. Um, so I'm really grateful for that. And I love the, to um, the top of, topic of acceptance always because acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. Um, 
You know, when I first got sober, it was back in 2015. I got in trouble for the very first time. And um, I knew about the program because I have two older brothers who suffer from the addiction as well. And so the big book was always in our home. And so for some reason, I knew to go there because, um, yeah, I was getting in trouble because um, I was under the influence and they were going to drug test me at work. Anywho, I came into the rooms, um, it was in LA, um, and everything that people were talking about, I believed I wanted to accept that I too suffered from the same affliction as everyone there, but to say I am an alcoholic was just the biggest, like, I just couldn't do it, I couldn't accept that part. Um, also because you know for me growing up in the churches i am is god's name and you know i felt like i was proclaiming alcoholism over my life and all reality like if someone has a peanut allergy and they're saying i i am allergic to peanuts it's not them proclaiming that they're you know over that uh, over the peanut allergy over their life they're just accepting what their affliction is and so anyways um that was the biggest hurdle for me in staying in the program was that you know to continuously come into the rooms and identify myself as I am an alcoholic was just something that I I just couldn't swallow. Now when I look back on it, I, I question like the insanity of it, but when you're not ready, you're not ready, you know? And so um, I stayed uh, in the room long enough um, for my life to take off. Um, I stayed sober for six months without doing um, any steps, just, you know, coming into the rooms. But, you know, what they say in the rooms is like um, sometimes you get your blessings too quickly and, you know, that could take you out of the rooms. And so I had to experience my, you know, afflictions um, and cause myself more heartache and suffering for two more years. But, you know, I love the saying, you know, um, a head full of AA and a belly full of liquor just does not mix, you know. And so once, like, I was out there and I would be like, okay, I'm just going to coke. I'm not going to drink. You know, that's my issue. Or if I am going to drink, I'm going to have this other substance, dry goods, because it's just I'm not balancing it out perfectly, you know, just all the insanity of it all. And so I don't know what happened November 11th for me, too, um, because that that week like i had caused more destruction before i mean i've totaled cars i didn't get the dui but i've totaled i've done all these weird things and but for some reason that november like the shame and guilt i felt for waking up not knowing where my car was not knowing what i had been saying to people looking at my phone and seeing the call logs and be like what the heck why would i call this person just all that like the shame of it um had me finally accept and like understand again it's beyond and above me like and you know i only have three years and 10 months all by the grace of god and i know i'm still fairly new and still raw within myself to try to go back there and figure out like hmm, what exactly happened in november that made me you know like right now i'm still just trudging the road and walking forward and you know every day accepting what i have to do for my program like a couple of months ago i stopped going to my morning meetings i stopped doing my spot check of my 10-step inventory every night and before i knew it i had started uh, becoming restless irritable and discontent 
you know, where it says in our big book, we have ceased fighting anything or anyone. Oh, yeah, even alcohol. Well, I had started fighting everyone, you know. I was not in acceptance. I had started becoming um, so focused on the results. And, you know, in, in these rooms, what I've learned is, like, I'm not responsible for the results. Like, my job is to do what is in front of me to my best abilities and allow God to, you know, if it's going to be, it's going to be. And when I live like that in that acceptance, like my God, like I'm just so joyous and free and I am of maximum service to, you know, my fellows, like in my work prof profession, like it's in sales pretty much. And like, you know, a lot of times I still feel like I have to fib it's lie um lie and um not cheat but you know lie and like kind of like withhold information to make sure a deal goes through and all reality what's been coming to me is i don't have to do that you know there's other outstanding humans that um it's on another uh, department of ours that don't do that and still are just you know killing it in the game and so like I feel like God is constantly showing me that if I just stay in his grace, if I am in acceptance of what I have to do daily to stay in the path that has been presented to me, like I have a fighting chance of actually having a joyous and free life. And so with that, I'll continue to come back. Thank you. Thank you. My name is Jordan. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Jordan. Man, acceptance is a good one. Um, for a long, for the past, for the past six years since I graduated the Salvation Army in uh, 2016, uh, even though I graduated, I was in denial. You know, I was in denial about everything. Um, I thought I could switch seats on the Titanic. You know, and so I, I went from doing narcotics to drinking alcohol. I'm like, well, I could drink and smoke weed because it's not narcotics. You know what I mean? And um, what I realized in those six years after losing everything that I'm trying to blame everybody for everything that I thought was going on. But um, I was the common denominator in all those problems. I was in the middle of all those problems. And um, I'm back at the Salvation Army right now. Thank God. Um, and um, I wish I could tell you that um, my acceptance got me in there, but it didn't. Uh, my denial and my losing everything got me into the Salvation Army thinking that, you know, if I just stay sober for, for six months that I'll be okay. But um, honestly, it's only been about almost 30 days where I've really learned to accept that um, I have a problem and I'm the common denominator in that problem. Um, I like to drink. I I like to drink cheap alcohol, you know what I mean? And um, I, like to, I like to throw pity parties for myself. And, uh, and my coping skills are drinking. You know, it's, man, you know, they cut me early from work, man. I'm just going to go have some beers. Or, you know, my son is acting up. He's not doing good in daycare. I'm going to go have a beer. I, I dealt with all that. And um, now that I'm sober and I'm getting this uh, clear state of mind and um, I'm having people around me tell me the truth and not lie to me because they're afraid I'm going to get drunk and have these 
sporadic, weird little bursts of rage and things like that. Now I'm learning to accept the fact that I do get irritable and discontent. I'm not happy with anything when I'm drinking. You know, um, I wasn't happy with the money I was making as a chef. I wasn't happy with having a family. I was, none of that stuff made me happy. But as soon as I got a natural ice for a dollar fifty from the store down the street, I was happy. I was life was good. You know, I got the natural ices because it was twenty five ounces instead of twenty four ounces. You know what I mean? And so, and um. Yeah, being sober right now, being in the Salvation Army is something that um, I really needed. Um, I really needed to take a personal inventory of myself and really look at myself. You know, I know I don't look it, but I'm 37 years old. And um, man, I got, I, yeah, I, I have a son, he's three years old. And uh, I remember I, I was talking to the mother of my kid's father. And, um, you know, before I came in here, I didn't love myself enough to come to rehab. You know, I was just like, you know, I split up with the mother of my kids. I'm just going to go drink and smoke dope. You know what I mean? Like, what a, you know, using the excuse of my son is probably better off without me, you know, because look who I've become, you know. So, I'm, you know what? I'm just going to leave. And then um, coming to the Salvation Army and, and speaking to good people and being able to step outside myself and take a look at myself in the mirror and accepting what I did wrong and, and, and all the, the, just the catastrophe I've caused, um, I've learned to accept that, you know, I can't have a dream. I can't smoke dope, I can't smoke weed. I can't go to a cocktail party and have club soda or a Shirley Temple. I can't, I, there's no way I could do that. So I've, uh, acceptance, I've learned to accept that, you know, I need to have a connection with my higher power need to pray every night and morning and I need to work these steps. Um, the last thing my, uh, uh, my father-in-law told me, he said, I know you don't love yourself right now because I could tell by the way you're drinking. He said, but if you don't do it for yourself, do it for your son. And uh, I love that little boy more than life itself. You know, he's three years old, he, does, he doesn't know he doesn't know the difference. He thinks I'm like on some vacation or something. I don't know. He probably thinks I'm at work right now or something. And um, that was the one thing I learned to accept that um, that got me on the straight and narrow right now, working this program and working these steps, man. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Thank you. Keith, grateful, recovering alcoholic. Yeah. I. Uh, drank for the result <clears throat> I drank Coors Light because it tasted like water I just wanted the result I mean it was the only thing that tasted like water that didn't make me gag I, I don't like vodka I don't like tequila I don't like the other stuff I did it for the result and I was good at it. you know 120 to 150 a week Costco roll out the 30 packs 10 20 at a time fill up the garage um, and so when I got sober it was for my own doing um, I've been through, got some hardships in life. I, uh, today is 31 years ago, I lost my daughter. Uh, died of crib death, and then I had two autistic kids. So I didn't have a relationship with God uh, other than, you know, the F-bombs thrown at him. What, am, what have I done wrong? Uh, and then I met this man, David and, and Oliver. 
And I was coming into the meetings, you know, we all know him. Fake it till you make it. Hey, your ego's not your amigo. Hey, hey, I'm a project manager. This is what I manage. I need to manage my life. And Oliver used to look at me with that fucking grin right there and go, how's that working for you? <laughs> it's not. And it didn't. And he drug me into the first BBA workshop. And I put my nose to the grindstone. And David and myself and Oliver met at Denny's on a Wednesday because the meeting was on Sunday. And we cried and we bled. And I ended up, you know, with this relationship finding God because I had to accept. I had to accept the fact that I'm an alcoholic and I have no control. I have to accept the spiritual malady that I have here that I've tried to fill with vehicles, cocaine, alcohol, girls, whatever, to try and make me happy instead of just making myself happy. I went to a men's retreat last weekend. Unbelievable. Met this guy, Bill and Steve, the clown and the lawyer. And Bill said something so profound. He said, you know, happiness is just carbonated holiness. Laughter is carbonated holiness. He goes, you don't have to listen to the people that go, listen, you need to be serious. You need to read that book. You need to go to church. You need to be, you know, uh, angry at the world, but, you know, confess your sins and do this. He said, no, you don't. <laughs> you don't have to do that. You can be happy. You, you, you can be happy, happy in your recovery. There's nothing wrong with that. So we went on the campground this weekend to Lake Henshaw for the AA. They do it twice a year. May and, and September. If you guys ever get a chance, it's every six months. Tell you what, you're up there and it's you and God and open nature and, and just a bunch of bonding and people talking the program by the fire at night. And when you can accept the fact that you're an alcoholic and you can still have fun in your recovery, a lot of people come in the store, like you stated, you know, because you're fighting whatever you're going through life and an alcohol is an outlet. Alcohol is a release. Alcohol is how we do it. Well, it's not. It's just a temporary solution to a permanent problem. So like Oliver stated, listen, let's get in here. Let's forgive ourselves. Let's do the book. Let's do the work. And then start doing the commitments. Because as soon as you get somebody you can sponsor, as soon as you can do a coffee commitment, as soon as you can just put chairs away, it gives you that pride and ownership. I have took five years last week. Five years. I, uh, my friend David's got five years as well. And uh, when we came in, I mean, we were angry and discontent. And we just thought we would come here and do a little couple of meetings. And, and not till I committed myself to the full acceptance that I'm never going to drink again the rest of my life because I can't. One's not enough, you know, or one's too many and a hundred's not enough. I, uh, I became happy again because today I celebrated that day because every year on this date, when she passed, I go, am I better this year than I was last year? And today I got to wake up happy as can be, drop to my knees and pray and say, I am so much better this year than I was last year and so far all the way on my life. So my name is Keith. I'm going to keep coming back. Thank you. Alcoholic, my name is Travis. Travis. Acceptance, man, that's a big one. Um, like Jordan said, man, it was crazy. You're saying I've always think that the common denominator in all my problems, just realizing that, you know what I mean, and being aware of that. Um, 
like he said, you know, I've had a lot of trouble in my life, a lot of ups and downs, like we all have. But um, the acceptance that I had about 91 days ago of just having that oh shit moment, you know, break it down, realizing that I really am just a real alcoholic. And it didn't matter what it was, I just drank to just drink, you know what I mean? And drugs to get off of alcohol and alcohol to get back up from drugs and just, you know what I mean? Just Peter to play Paul the whole time. Um, just the acceptance of the spirituality, the malady, like Keith was explaining, I didn't understand what that was. And to talk with him this weekend and realizing like nothing was ever enough. And um, I didn't understand that. And it, uh, the spiritual thing, uh, the higher power thing, the God thing, I had a real big trouble with when I first got in here. And as minute as I put, was accepting them, being willing to, like it says, I forget somewhere in the book, it says you're more willing to take a, I'm paraphrasing, but it says you're more willing to take a date with the undertaker than even give God a chance. Just kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. And um, once I started doing that, I really started seeing it differently in my life. And it's been cool since I accepted it. It was kind of weird. I was down at the federal courthouse going in for my case and um, everybody keeps telling me the whole time, you know what I mean? Like, leave it over to God, leave it over to your higher power, leave it over to your higher power, things are gonna work out. And I got in this, I got in the elevator with my attorney and my girlfriend, and um, a priest got on the elevator, didn't say a word. And as I was getting off the elevator, he just looked at me and he said, have faith. And um, I walked out, walked into the courtroom, and it wasn't a sentencing or anything, it was just for a, a bail revocation, but everything went my way. And, um, it was just like, if I can't see it at that moment, you know, because it's one of those things like love or electricity, you just don't see it, you know what I mean? You just kind of trust that it's there. It was like, I'm some kind of asshole, you know, excuse me, if I, if I can't see it at that moment, you know what I mean? So accepting it's been a huge part of my life now. Um, I'm enjoying it, doing my prayers every morning, my great, you know, my gratuity list. Um, yeah, and uh, it's been pretty neat, man. So thank you for letting me share. Appreciate it. Yeah. Good evening, everybody. My name is Oliver, and I'm an alcoholic. Keith, it's a pleasure to see you, man. And you know, I, I, I stood up, man, because I mean, this meeting just moved me, man. Welcome, brother. I mean, everybody that comes from the Salvation Army. I go to another Spanish-speaking meeting, and we're getting a lot of people from the Salvation Army, too. It's the building over here, right? Well, bless your heart, man, this year. I mean, welcome back, and keep on coming back. This is the, the right place to be, but... You know, I mean, t today, except, what's, uh, why is acceptance so important for me today? And why is acceptance so important to me all my life? What was my main problem? You see, today I understand one thing. I'm an alcoholic. I'm sick. I was born different. I'm not like regular people. I was born always feeling not good enough, man. I was always empty. No matter how much money I had, it wasn't enough. No matter how much people loved me, I, I felt unloved. I mean, it, it didn't matter what was happening in my life. There was something missing in my heart. Always, always. I come to BBA and they teach me that what I suffer from is spirituality. That's what alcoholism is. One of the problems of alcoholism is that we drink and we can't stop drinking, but that's not what drives me to drinking, man. What drives me to drinking is that I cannot live within myself. The guy that I look in the mirror, man, I hate that son of a bitch. Every morning I tell him how much I hate him, how much of a coward he is, how much of a, a problem he is to me. So acceptance about what? I never accepted myself. I never accepted my situation. I never accepted anything. So you see, I, I go through the book and, and I go in this program for, I don't know how many weeks in BBA, man, and we do the, the first step and it talks about lack of power. And it says in the book, lack of power is my dilemma. And it is my dilemma. But not to stop drinking, man. 
the lack of power that I have to change the man that looks at, back at me in the mirror, man. I have always tried to look at that guy and try to change him because no matter what he did, I just didn't like. It was never enough. People used to tell me how lucky I was, how wonderful family, I had a great job, you have man all over you, great. Every time they talked to me, man, I was looking behind me to say, who are they talking to, man? I could never relate to that. I was never able to live in this life. And why? Because there was something, somebody, that I did not accept. That's it. My girlfriend right now, she's going through some medical procedures and she got found something in her breast, so today we know it's not cancer. But anyhow, she, tomorrow she has a big appointment in the morning and I told her, baby, I want to go with you to the appointment. And she says, no, I want to go alone. And I got really pissed off because I want to love her, man, right? But it has nothing to do with her, man. So what did I do today? What is it that you didn't accept about her wanting to go alone? Why does that trigger you so much that you get angry? That's the only thing I can control today, who I am, why I react to the world the way that I do. And as long as I can see why, why? Because I, I felt unloved, I felt rejected, I felt not important, I felt not, but what does that have to do with my girl wanting to go alone to the freaking doctor, man, you know? But that's who I am, that's my alcoholism, that's how I think, and that's why this program helps me so much. You know, with my sponsor for the longest time, and I, I struggled in this program a lot, man. It, uh, I've been sober for this time around almost six years, man, but I've been in the program since I was 21 years old. And I haven't had a drink in like 30 some odd years, man, but I, I relapsed on drugs. So I have had always a problem with, to connect to that, to you guys, to the world, to the energy. It's, it's always a fucking problem. There's something wrong always. <laughs> it doesn't matter what it is, it's just wrong. <laughs> You know, so with my sponsor, I told him, Jose, what I really want to do is that if you tell me right now, I will give you a limb. For God to come down and tell me what my purpose is in life. He just looked at me and just started laughing, man. I said, what are you laughing about, man? I'm going crazy right here, you know? He says, Oliver, the purpose of your life is what's happening in your life right here, right now. The purpose of your life is that you're right now in BBA. The purpose of your life right now is you're dating the girl that told you not to go to the doctor with, that I'm doing what I'm doing. This is what God wants for your life. This is your, but the problem with you is that you have never accepted either his will or you, and you hate yourself. So no matter how much you want that, if you can't see, if you cannot be awakened to the, the gift, the beauty of life as it is, there's no growth. And he says, and that's okay, and I love you. I mean, he, he was very tender with me, but, but that's very true. Today, what I have this is not a rehearsal, he used to tell me that. This is it, man. You wake up this morning, you open your eyes, that's, it's not a show, man, it's not a rehearsal, that's life. When I breathe, man, just thank God that I'm breathing. When I see my kids and I see them healthy, to thank them that I have two beautiful, healthy boys, that I have money in the bank, man, that I have places to, to stay, that I have a girlfriend to get mad at, that I have you guys, man, that I have God in my life today. And with this, I'm going to close. I mean, for, for all you guys that are new, this is the dirty secret or the beautiful thing about AA. This is a spiritual program. I don't care how much you think you're going to understand yourself. It's not about that. God did for me what I cannot do for myself, period, man. I tried for 47 years, really hard, man. Made money, worked, did all this stuff. And nothing solved it until one day the obsession was gone. Self-love was gone, acceptance, and you guys are in my life today. So thank you for letting me share. Hello, everyone. 
My name's Evie and I'm an alcoholic. Hi. So acceptance. Um, I had to accept that what I didn't want to, that I had to face that I was, I had a problem and I am an alcoholic. And I really, all this time that I was, my life was so unmanageable, my family was upset with me. I got myself in a pickle with my job. I was hung over one day and um, they called me in and um, I had to do a urine test. They put me on administrative leave after 43 years of being with this job. So I had to sit there and tell myself, well, what did I do? Well, you know, look at yourself, you know? So I had to accept that I'm an alcoholic and I needed to get help. So what I did was I went to my EAP counselor and I, I sat with him and I said, I need help. I can't do this alone. So I checked into Betty Ford and um, it was the best thing I ever did. It was life changing for me. I finished the program and I was told you have to go to AA meetings and I'm thinking, okay. Um, and you know, it takes courage, it takes you know, courage to, to go into Betty Ford and say, hey, you know, here I am checking in and, um, and working the program and learning the tools that that program gives you to go out in the world and use those tools so you can help yourself. This Friday will be 90 days that I'm sober and that I have not picked up a drink. You know? And I never thought I could do that. I never thought that, you know, I thought, I never thought that way, you know, and um, by the grace of God, you know, I asked God for help because I've always been a spiritual person. And I just got down on my knees when, when I um, was in that pickle. And I asked him, please guide me, please help me. Let me find my way. And my way is not drinking, going to my AA meetings. And I dabble in, this is one here, I go to the Rise and Shine, I go to Zoom, I keep myself going to AA meetings because that's what keeps me sober. And th with the grace of God, thank you for letting me share. All right. Thank you. Hi, Luis, alcoholic. Yes. Just want to welcome everyone that's here for the first time. Yes. We are very grateful that you're with us. Um, you know, the big book on page 25 says, if you are seriously alcoholic as we were, we believe that there is no middle of the road solution. We were in a position where life was becoming impossible and that's what had happened for myself. And uh, we had passed into the region from which there is no return through human aid. I hit bottom when I got, but the day before I got here, three days actually before I got here, I hit bottom. I knew that when I got here, I was beyond human aid. I knew it. Um, I can't read my book because it's so marked up, but I think it says something about there's two alternatives. One, we go, to, we go on to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situation as best we could. I had been doing that for a very long time and the consequences just kept getting worse and worse. I kept digging myself into a deeper hole and I couldn't get out. And when I hit bottom on November 22nd, 2014, I, I, I um, I, th I thought I could fix it one more time until I realized that I was licked. And I went into my bedroom, I got on my knees, and I, and I asked God for help. And I hadn't talked to God. You know, I had walked away from him when I was nine years old. Something had happened very traumatic, and I just blamed him for it. 
And I told him, I don't need you in my life anymore. And then uh, it says here, um, and the other is to accept spiritual help. And that's what's so hard. Because that's really the challenge. That's really the problem here is that if you're like me, I had been doing life on my own for so long. And there had been <laughs> highs and lows. And on the outside, it looked like success. But on the inside, I was just dying. Right? Nobody knew me anymore. I was completely disconnected. When I hit bottom, my son was three and a half years old. You know? I, 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 I sought help because I realized that I had become a, a, a drunken father in, in his life. And I had scared him the way that my dad had scared me when I was his, about his age. And I share that with you because um, today my kids see me as their hero. Right? Not all heroes wear capes. You know what I'm saying? And um, when my daughter on this past Christmas day woke up, went to the restroom, and she was just, she's, at that point she was only six, she was just vomiting, and then she just was laid out. And I just swooped in, and she, and she was so sick, and I knew she had COVID at that moment. The fever was just blaring, it was 105. And I just, you know, I just took her in my room, and I did what I could. And uh, I offered her that medicine, you know, I offered her the medicine that I had and to help her with the fever, right? And I knew that it was going to take some time for it all to just pass through her system. And man, I was in prayer. I was reaching out to the group for praying for us, right? Thank God that for her, it was only a 24-hour ordeal. She was doing one-handed push-ups the next day. And I asked her, why are you doing that? She was like, I just felt like it. Do you know what I'm saying? But she trusted me and she took the medicine. And that's the hard part because this spiritual medicine, it don't taste good at first, right? Especially when, and for some of us, if we're going through withdrawals, right? It, it, and, and we're really looking at like, we think how much we have to give up, but we can't see how much we're gonna gain. But the, the, the truth is, is that the life that God wants to build with us, your higher power, whatever word works with you, is bigger than you could imagine. Man, this weekend, my son and I celebrated yesterday. He just started playing tennis back in January, and the little boy just won his first tournament, you know, and we were there celebrating together. We've been working hard on it. You know, none of that would have been possible if I was still drinking, you know, because I remember uh, one of the last moments when before I hit bottom was I was on the couch and my party started around nine. My, you know, my party of one I had already popped a bottle and he was just coming over. He wanted to spend time with Papa. And I was just like, sorry, in my mind, I was like, sorry, kid, you know, I'm going down, right? I'm drinking myself to oblivion again. Like it was every night. And the only nights I didn't drink was I was too sick, but that's not how my life is anymore. You know? And so I'm just very grateful for the 12 steps, for this fellowship, for all of you for being here tonight. Thanks. My name is Richard, I'm an alcoholic. I'm sober today by the grace of God. Uh, I live and work at the Salvation Army. Um, you know, I've been in and out of the rooms for quite a long time and it took me a really long time to get it because for the longest time I didn't want to accept that I was an alcoholic 
um, I didn't want to accept that, you know, I was powerless over this disease. Um, because I think like a lot of us, uh, I was taught self-reliance from a very early age. I was taught to take pride in my accomplishments, my achievements, um, my own strength, my own willpower, my own intelligence. And it turns out that none of that helps you against this disease. I could not accept my alcoholism until I accepted also that I'm not responsible for the outcomes. I'm responsible for doing my part, but the outcomes are in God's hands. So once I kind of let go, I mean, that was really freeing to say, you know what, um, I, I'm doing the best I can. Uh, I will work this program every day, but ultimately I have to leave everything up to God and just trust that he will guide me you know, to where he to where he wants me to be. And you know sometimes, you know, working in this program, you see people leave almost every day. And I think, well, some some of the people I think, well, I could have done a little better there. You know, I could have talked to them, I could have helped them out a little more, I could have seen where they were struggling. Um but then other people, I think I did everything for, and they leave anyway. Uh, so, so that's just a good reminder that, I, I mean, ultimately, I can only do the best I can, and I really can't control everything else. And I found that that was really helpful for me dealing with my disease. Um, page 52, 552 in the big book, uh, this is actually, I was directed to this page because it talks about praying for... Uh, well, people you don't like, people you have resentments against, mm -hmm. and, and how, how much that helps your own attitudes. But there's another section on, uh, a little further down on this page that says, the only real, 552, it says, the only real freedom a human being can ever know is doing what you ought to do because you want to do it. And, I mean, that, that really helped me a lot, is say, you know, there are things that we have to do every day. Um, I have to accept that untreated alcoholism is a death sentence, I have to accept that, you know, I can't have another drink. You know, if I'm still trying to control the outcome and say, how am I going to live my life without alcohol? You know, it's too much. It's, it's hopeless. If I just say, all I have to do is get through one day and do the next right thing, I can get there. And I'm grateful that today I realized that. All right. Thank you. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe at eastlakebba.com. You can also help us reach others by spreading the word about our podcast. Thank you for joining us today on the East Lake Big Book Awakening Podcast.